The Weather Girls famously proclaimed that it's raining men, but now it's raining raw men? We're talking cloudy with a chance of meatballs on today's. We're not affiliated with Netflix. Welcome to KidFlix, the podcast where adults try to definitively rank every kid's movie ever made. I'm your host, Ross Wiseman, and this show is not for kids, so turn this off in deep throat phallic lunches. My guest today... <laughs> you're allowed to laugh. We're, we have fun. Um, my guest today, uh, she's a, a comedian and improviser. You might know her if you're in the Philadelphia area from the improv team uh, Daddy Issues, I remembered. Uh, or if you're in the Maniac area, uh, she helps run the grape room mic it's siobhan o'hara hey hi how are you doing i'm doing well how about yourself good i'm doing good also not to like be all like gushy to you but like thank you for like continuing to work and stuff uh at trader joe's because like my mom shops there constantly and she keeps texting me that and i'm like go stay home why are you going so much <laughs> so i know it's it. it's been um What's it called? It's been fine. Um, everybody's been super chill and, you know, I'm an essential worker, which means I'm a hero. So treat me as such. That's about, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> We're all honking at 7 p.m. and setting off fireworks just for you. For me, I know it is. Wait, is that that is that a reason possibly why these fireworks keep going off all the time at night is because they're setting them off for essential workers? If that's the case, then they should stop because I need to get my sleep to wake up early to go to work. <laughs> well, I guess it's true. It's also because you work at Trader Joe's. So like, I feel like the Trader Joe's customer is like a nice middle ground because there's like a Whole Foods a shopper that like is very demanding. Like I used to work at Whole Foods and uh, everybody there was demonic. But then yeah. it's not like a shop right where like people are like just breaking all of the merchandise and being like well that sucks and then moving on no traders is pretty much a place for people to be like i had no idea that you know customer service could be so nice and i could get deep fried crab rangoon i'm like Ooh. yeah no it's totally fine <laughs> yeah my mom is a big fan of the non-fat spinach yogurt dip so shout out to all you spinach heads out there um <laughs> But speaking of food, yeah, we did it. Oh, nice segue. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we're, we're talking about Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, uh, the 2009 movie based off of the wafer-thin children's book. Um, so, Siobhan, tell me a little bit about uh, why you chose this, kind of what this movie means to you. I love this movie. I didn't see it when I was younger. It came out in 2009. So I was a senior in high school. And my, one of my friends, she has two little sisters and we would babysit them uh, all the time. And she invited a bunch of us over to come and hang out. And it was a rainy day, so we're all inside. And we put in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs because we're hanging out with the kids. And it's the type of movie where I could be like, I could be on my phone and not pay attention or I could pay attention. And I was like hooked immediately to it because, and I didn't know this at the time, but like the, the writers of it were sitcom writers and it was just so well-written. And I started recognizing the voices as, you know, Bill Hader and Andy Samberg and Anna Faris. Yes. And I, I was like, I recognize these voices and I did my little IMDB and I was like, I am in, um, I'm in it to win it. I think also Will Forte's in it. Like it's all these, yeah, Will Forte in this movie is just like, I think he's the bearded guy that at one point rips off his beard to eat food. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. he's the like the the running joke of the, he's the runner of the movie. And at the time, being in high school, I didn't have the vocabulary for this. But now that I'm a mature adult that has sunk all of her money into comedy, um, <laughs> I can with confidence say that Will Forte is the runner. Yeah, that was um, <laughs> very good analysis. Yeah, this was, um, so yeah, this is by like Phil Lord and Chris Miller, which coincidentally, we've just inadvertently been reviewing a lot of their movies. So we talked about the Lego movie too uh, a little while ago. 
Um, we also like dived into Spider-Verse a little bit. And like, so this is right in, uh, this is kind of like their first foray into like children's movies and also like them taking a premise or an idea that sounds like it won't last or do anything. And then it works for an hour and a half. Yeah, and it's also the idea of taking something that is very children-centric and making it palatable for adults. Um, the comedy in it is super sarcastic and it's ironic and it's, you know, the comedy of like making fun of yourself while you're trying to do something important or something serious. And you can tell that in the writing and by the people that they cast. Yeah, and it's also like the the thing that they do in this movie that kind of sets the trend for the rest of all of the different movies that they produce is like every character kind of, like characters like not using subtext whatsoever like one of the first lines in the movie is when a young Finn shows off his spray on shoes and uh, a child says he wants to be smart but that's lame and like <laughs> later in the movie um, Anna Faris's character is being taunted by kids and their taunt is four eyes, four eyes, you need glasses to see. So it's just like this weird, like, I guess you could call that like either deadpan or like slapsed. I don't really know exactly how to describe that type of comedic writing, but it's just like. Yeah, it's a joke without a punchline or it's a, it's something that's so simple and obvious that it doesn't warrant more explanation. The four yeah. eyes, four eyes, you need glasses to see is something a bunch of my friends like almost all of us 90 percent of us wear glasses and we would just shout that at each other all day long because <laughs> we like, thought it was good. so funny it's so good and it's it's almost like a type of joke that like you put that as a placeholder and you're like okay let's just like get that line out so we can like continue on and then we'll come back to it and then they were like no we're never gonna come up with anything better than four eyes four eyes you need glasses to see <laughs> yeah um, i yeah. The, the writing is just um in and of itself like one of the big reasons why I think it was such a success and visually it's so like it's cool to watch it's stunning to watch for sure like this movie came out 11 years ago and like it still looks good which like as technology has been going and going like that isn't really a luxury all the time but yeah like um it's also the style is very just like specific like every like what I appreciate a lot about the character design is that like the characters both men and women kind of have a very similar look like it's not that thing in Disney movies where like the man looks very realistic and chiseled and then the women have like the like Doe eyes yeah. yeah like everybody kind of looks that way which is nice and uh, a nice change of pace and and also like the food looks like good food looks really good let's just be honest for a second I know it's terrifying and like a giant shrimp is like about to come down and like smash everything you know and love but but it looked delicious while yeah. i did it so. i could go for some shrimp right now well okay you know what? we have to get this question out of the way right now so if food was raining down from the sky what what are you hoping that it would be oh man i think it would be cherries like i'd want fruit oh okay yeah i either, respect that either that or maybe some I do like the ice cream scene when everything's like covered in ice cream. Structurally, those houses would be damaged. Like there's no way that ice cream would be light enough for like everybody's roofs to stay up. But, also like, um, I'm, I'm just imagining like when you eat a little bit too much ice cream and like your mouth, like you can just like feel the milk fat just all over your mouth. Like I'm just imagining that over my entire body. And like usually that would be arousing for me, but now I, I don't think so. <laughs> but now my nipples go in when I think about it. So <laughs> my banana splits. <laughs> oh, gross! And oh, yes. is that too far? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, all right. I I don't know why the first thought that popped in my head because I like your idea of fruit, and I don't know why. But if it started raining like like slices of banana, I think that would just be so nice and delightful. Right. You could just like catch a little. Like, I don't, I don't need an indulgent snack. Like, I don't need, like, hot dogs or hamburgers or, like, all of these, like, big things. Like, but, oh, my God. Oh, okay. If it, if it was, I like, need you to tell me right now because okay. you're so if, impressed with it. If it was snowing popcorn. 
Oh, that would be super sweet. I would, I mean, this is just me. Not everybody has the same taste, but sure. I would want it to be kettle corn. I, I was thinking kettle corn. Like, I like regular popcorn, but I think, like, if it's raining from the sky, it's got to be a little bit sweet. There also, there used to be this product that you can get at, like, 7-Eleven and Wawa. I haven't seen it in ages, but they used to have these things called half pop, where they somehow made popcorn, but only, like, the bits that when you pop popcorn, like the shell half comes out. So like, it's still crunchy. Oh, they had, wait, no, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. They had a bag of those. And I mean, I don't think I would want that to rain, but like, that's like a third place option. Maybe. (laughs) I was also maybe thinking about if it was, you know, like lightly raining, like little snack bites of cotton candy, like that would be super fun. And then if you just don't want it to like clog up any area, like put it in water and it's gone. That's smart. And you're thinking of our <laughs> fragile infrastructure, which is very responsible of you. Thank you. I'm very responsible when I'm demanding that it rain candy from the <laughs> sky. Well, I mean, we also saw what happened to the son of the cop when he ate too much candy. He got into a food coma and yeah. <laughs> I don't need all of this death on my hands. And the only way out of a food coma, as we both know, is cracking a celery. Just cracking. Do not eat it. Just Don't eat it. it. Don't even touch it. Don't even look at it. Just crack it. <laughs> Actually, wait, you, 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 were, you brought up the, the ice cream raining or snowing, which sounded nice. But the probably one of the weirdest and kind of off-putting parts of this entire movie is Flynn talks about how he never played in a snowball fight before. And then he immediately gets insanely aggressive with it, and he point blank range like attacks yeah. a family with. Uh, yeah, he breaks ice into cream a balls. home, and they <laughs> film it. They like show it to you like it's a first person shooter game because he he headshots a child and his mother, and, and then she like, like slides down the wall. <laughs> but afterwards, she smiles and like and licks like, them ah, off ha, of her ha, finger. Happy snow day. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? I I'm gonna have to go with. Um, so I, disclaimer, I'm allergic to dairy, so I have to eat soy ice cream, but Mm -hmm. you know, there's chocolate, there's vanilla, there's all the flavors of regular ice cream in soy ice cream or coconut, whatever. Um, I love the cherry chocolate chip cherries again. So I'm, it's hot out. I think my, like fruit wants to go into my body. Yeah, that's um, I need fruit. I like always forget to buy fruit. That's always the thing that I'm like, yeah, fruits, whatever. That's like a kid <laughs> thing. And then I'm like, oh, my body hasn't had a vitamin <laughs> in four days. Fruits for kids. Fruit is for children that don't have disposable income to buy snacks. Now, if you excuse me, I'm going to eat these bugles off my fingers <laughs> and half popped popcorn. Hell Yeah. Oh man, if my child self saw me as an adult, he'd first be like, oh wow, you like got uh, in control of your eating habits, but also like you can just get whatever you want whenever and you don't go crazy. It's so dangerous. They don't teach you that in school. They should really tell you about that. Yeah, they should teach you about how, like I remember my in high school, we spent like a, a, like a, a free period with the teacher teaching us how to write uh, checks. And that was the most useless hour of my life. Yeah, I, like, I can write a check and I can balance my checkbook, but every time I go to do my taxes on TurboTax, I'm, like, on the phone crying to my mom, like, how do I get more money back? Oh, that happened uh, this past year and two years ago, because I used to work essentially freelance, even though, like, I was, it was implied that it was a full-time job, Um, and my employer didn't take out taxes beforehand and I didn't Uh. understand what that meant. So uh, boy, oh boy, uh, was I an unhappy camper (laughs) last year. No, I had that similar thing happen where in that I was, when I was hired, it was understood that I was just an employee and they were very much like, no, you're, this is uh, freelance work. We have not taken a penny out. And at the time, I was just like, oh, okay. Like, before I was filing taxes, I was like, well, you know, I'll figure it out. And then by the time it was too late, I was like, "Mm, I need that money. Because you're like, oh, I can, like, I can handle it. Like, if they're paying me more, then that means, like, I don't really. I can save more. Yeah. And then that's not it at all. 
Um, okay, like, in also in terms of characters, and like, we can talk about the plot, like, the, he's an inventor, and he's, he's a numbnuts, and then he makes a good invention, and everybody exploits him, the end. That's the movie. So now that we got that out of the way. <laughs> um, the mayor is a very just like upsetting character. Yes. Like, I think a weak point of the movie, because like, he kind of does the thing at first where it's like, oh, like, I'm all about like money and like making things happen. And like, I will bring this town back into the world. And then it just becomes like, he's fat. And that's a joke. I, so yes, but I would also argue that uh, he is consumed with uh, corruption from the beginning. Literally. And that he, a very tangible thing that he does is consume more and become more corrupt. So oh. I, That's in the beginning of the movie, because in the beginning in the movie, he's with uh, baby Brent and he's saying, you know, behind the, the curtain, he's saying, I want to be the biggest mayor. I want to be big. And oh. he literally gets big due to the fact that he's not listening to actual science. Oh my um, God, I'm, how did I miss that? I'm just really, really good at um, <laughs> reviewing movies. I, I think I've just seen this movie like a hundred times. Yeah, because this is, this is, I've been doing this podcast for so long. I'm on, this is episode 140. So Holy like, shit. I think uh, to, to quote that famous rock song, I've become comfortably numb. <laughs> But uh, but okay, that that you know that brings my opinion around a little bit on the mayor. But also like, ugh, there like that part where he's whispering to uh, Flynn about hot dogs, and like he he eats a hot dog in one giant swallow, like he's a sword swallower, and then he's covered in mustard. And I was just like, ugh, like my entire body convulsed from that. Yes, he he's definitely becoming uh, a self indulgent person. And he's expecting this person to um, keep up with his demands. Yeah. And it's the whispering part. The whispering part is creepy. It's like weird. Cloudy with the chance of meatballs ASMR. Um, and he keeps going from like ear to ear to ear doing this thing that, and he drifts off into the mist, like at the end on his jazzy scooter, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but he's definitely the catalyst to why things go poorly because at first he's doing this for the sake of the town but he's he's not really he's doing it because he wants to be a big name he wants to be a household name and he yeah know, like he, he gets what goes, he wants and he go he's the one that invites um uh sam sparks to cover the event because and then at first it's like yeah we're getting some publicity hooray for our town and then, yeah, then it just becomes him being like, everybody around the world is coming and it's all because of me. Yeah. It's that classic thing of like uh, a manager acting like they know everything, but then <laughs> focusing it and being like, you're actually saving everybody. And then when things go wrong, it's all your fault, even though they pushed you to do it. That's, yeah. Yes. Relatable. Relatable. In this world of ours. I so this might just be me, but the specifically the mayor reminds me of the mayor. I guess he's the mayor in Jaws. Yes. Like exactly. the, are you gonna close the beaches? Like why won't you stop this from happening? Why won't you look at the world the way it is, see that it's unsafe, and stop people from going about in it in their daily lives? Relatable. Uh, speaking of jaws the fucking mayor's jaw it's like a snake <laughs> it's like a... speaking of snake politics am i right am i right uh... <laughs> somebody um... that like uh, hasn't been on twitter in like nine years is like what are you guys talking about anyway oh man oh it's also, it's interesting though i when i thought of this when I think of this movie, because I was thinking about it when we were talking about Lego Movie 2, 
in my head, Andy Samberg was like there the whole time. I forgot that like he's kind of just in the background and then he pops in as baby Brent. Uh, but yeah, also he plays like, a lot of background voices. Yeah. But also like it, this is a weird, rare instance of like Andy Samberg doing an animated character and the voice is slightly different than his voice. It's yeah, like, a little hey bit more guys. deeper or macho or kind of surfer, I guess. A little, a little surfery. And I haven't seen any of the Hotel Transylvania movies, but I think that's also like the vibe of his character. All I remember, all I know about that movie is at one point in the trailer for I think the first one, he has his arms out and he goes, look at me, I'm a Franken-homie. And that's all I know about Hotel Transylvania. Oh, uh, you know a lot more than I do. <laughs> oh man, I probably know. Actually, no, I know that uh, there's a girl. There's a, the daughter of the vampire is named Mavis. This is in, this is in, this is information that no one cares about. No, I need you to tell me more. I need okay. to know more about Hotel Transylvania so I know not to watch it. I, or to I've, watch it, maybe I've my mind will change. I've been told it's good. I guess I have to do, I maybe we'll do a month of Hotel Transylvania on this podcast at some point. <laughs> um, but I've been told they're fine. Um, let's see, other aspects of this movie. The rotisserie chickens that come to life are also terrifying. Yes. Not a fan of yes. that. Um, also, like, I'm, I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy, but like, because I, I think it's also, I'm judging this movie kind of harshly because I know, like, Lego movie is so great. I, I feel like the 21 Jump Street movies are still regarded as good, but like knowing where Phil Lord and Chris Miller go, I'm like, I'm feeling very like, uh, oh, and also Spider-Verse, like I know that they get better, but it's like little things like um, the bit, like the whole bit with Finn's dad, uh, Flynn's dad of like, he doesn't do technology. Like the sequence is funny is like how over the top it is, but I'm also like, eh, it's fine. I, so when I watch it, I see that and I very much go, those, that is a representation of all of like the older male relatives I have in my life. <laughs> Not that they, you know, in the end, he does, you know, like do the thing. He does send the email that needs to be sent. He gets through it, even though he's like bombarded by all this crazy uh stuff like this rubble this actual oh, wait no like, he's building he sends the wrong him. he sends the wrong email remember he sends the wrong email yeah <laughs> i'm getting there but he does okay. his best um so he does the thing as best he can to be fair the emails were all like labeled email so yeah, that's, a, that's a fair point so um so yeah i definitely understand like how it can be seen as two-dimensional like the old man doesn't know how to do the computer but I don't know that's pretty that's pretty true to the old men that I know in well, my life. I, th I think where like the whole dad's character like really gets good is at the very end when they put the monkey translator on him yeah I think that like because the movie tiptoes around this idea uh of you know like uh male or like toxic masculinity and just like men having to like be perfect and like or not perfect but like men having to like a different know, do standard. their thing yeah. yeah the different uh standards and like we explore that a little bit with uh with Anna Ferris's character with Sam where uh she's not taken seriously because she looks like a nerd at one point um allegedly not I'm these are not my words those are Al Roker's words <laughs> that she is a nerd <laughs> Um, but I, I thought that was such a great moment at the end where it's like the dad can't express himself, so they let the monkey translator do it for him. Yeah, and it's kind of like in the rules of improv, if you dance around the thing, it's not satisfying. You have to say the thing. And the only way that his dad was able to tell him that he loves him was through the, um, a translator. And he, they put it on. And at the end, his dad does physically say, I love you, in his own words with his mouth. But he needed that, you know, that added boost to, like, rev him up to get him to admit to his son that, you know, he's proud of him. And that's a huge moment. Um, and it's very, very sweet, considering that I think that everything that Ben 
does is for the sake of, you know, trying to impress not only his mom who's passed away, spoiler alert. Um, spoiler but, alert for the first 20 minutes. <laughs> for the first 20 minutes. Um, but his dad that even though he's alive, he's very much disconnected from. Yeah, and also um, I do love the whole thing with his dad that like his eyes will like pop out at some point over his unibrow. Yes, I do love his unibrow going up and down showing his his little dad eyes. Also, can we talk for a second that the voice of his dad is James Khan? Can? Yes, James Khan. Khan, there we go. Um, who is just, you know, Sonny from The Godfather. So I think it's, he is an actor that portrays mostly very macho masculine characters. And, you know, he portrays this macho masculine character that has this really soft, sweet, and, you know, kind-hearted moment. Yeah, I, um, I did not, I, I know the name James Conn, but I've not, se- I've not seen, uh, The Godfather, unfortunately. He's the only German and Polish Jewish person in the film portraying an Italian. <laughs> Well, great. So there's there's hope for me yet, except minus the Irish part. Um, <laughs> he's also an elf, so there's that. So, yeah, he's he's uh, Will Ferrell's dad. No. Oh shit, that's right. Also, he's like we won't we we gotta give these books out. I hate it when we don't give the books out. And the nun's like, but the children love the books, and he's like, fuck your books. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen that movie in so long. Also, that's exactly to, what he says, by the way. According, according to James Conn's Wikipedia, he's been married and divorced four times. So, um, maybe the movie was imitating his life. Art. Art. Um, <laughs> this movie is art. Um, let's see. What? Else? So, what? Is there any moment that kind of stuck out to you? Just because I, I, I want to give you space to um, gush about this movie as well. Okay, so for somebody who has a lot of allergies, the end where, uh, near the end, where they're getting to like the climax of the film and they have to soar down to rappel down to get to the machine to turn it off while they're in the sky. Uh, There's jagged peanut brittle poking out from everywhere and Sam Sparks gets hit with it and she needs to go get an EpiPen. And uh, baby Brent says, she touched a peanut or something when he's taking her like almost lifeless body back to the airplane. And having peanut allergies and having EpiPens, one of my friend's favorite thing to do is if ever I was getting like a little allergic reaction to something, they'd be like, she touched a peanut or something. (laughs) So that's just a little moment that sticks out with me. I'm like, guys, this is actually very serious. This is a very serious part of the film. Don't laugh. I I feel that I don't have uh, any food allergies. So like, I I can't, I can't imagine like having to like check with a waiter besides just like, is that, is this what I ordered? That's wild. Yeah, no, I have, I have a lot. Like um, some of the only allergies I don't have is I'm not allergic to gluten or like sesame seeds, but everything else pretty much I'm allergic to. Cool, so you can eat a plain pita with tahini on it. Yeah, I actually just had some like an hour. What? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> Dreams come true here on Kidflix. <laughs> but for somebody, it's, I don't know, maybe for somebody who's allergic to so many foods, this movie about so many foods, I'm like, yes, give it to me. I'm living vicariously through these characters. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's what this is. Through the whole, actually, that reminds me, one of my favorite parts of the movie is at the very like when the giant cloud starts to form and it's like a full minute of just every character in the movie gasping and looking towards the air. That's a really good one. Um, just <gasps> And like, it doesn't like heighten, another improv term, it doesn't really like heighten or anything. It's just like, yep, they just keep getting excited and that's it. <laughs> another one in, along the same vein of comedy is that is when he's going around the town asking for... What, what's your suggestion? What do you want to have fall from the sky? And everybody's saying like, noodles, macaroni, whatever. And then there's this one older gentleman that just goes, avocado. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stares directly right into the camera. 
And uh, yeah, that's a pretty great part for me. <laughs> I I wonder how avocado would be raining from the sky. Because like, I think if they're just like whole avocados, that would be bad. But like, if yeah. we're talking just like, just like, oh, oh my God. If like giant cascading avocado slices fell. Yeah, you're all about the slices. I like that because it's light. You don't have to commit to the whole thing. You're yeah, just... and plus, like, you know, the molecular structure or whatever that all of the characters keep talking about, like, you can engineer just slices. Yeah, you could do that. I love the science behind it because it's not science. Like, the molecules of the hot dogs look like hot dogs. Like, that's <laughs> what the hot dog atoms look like. It's and then when it's unstable, it's like a, like a squiggly hot dog. Yeah, it's a hot dog that's shaking very rapidly it's like yeah. oh no these hot dog atoms they're they're not good they're bad that's that's like a stressful thing about this movie is like i know that all of the science is nonsense but then like when they say it so confidently i'm like oh yeah i guess that checks out like oh yeah. water molecules you can zap them and change them into any molecule you want it's like water uh alchemy right yeah you just find the structure that you need molecularly and then combine it together and make that thing happen. I guess that's technically the science behind it. The very real <laughs> science behind it. No, it's super legit. Um, also, like, very weird, like, a moment in this movie that struck me as like, ooh, this is like very current for today is there's a quick shot of all four presidents on Mount Rushmore being pied in the face and I'm like, yeah, right on. Yeah, it comes out their noses. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, because Abraham Lincoln gets, like, a pie dropped on him instead of slinged in his face. And cl as we all know, uh, the Mount, Mount Rushmore is hollow. <laughs> so <it laughs> yep, just, there's nothing behind know. it. And then uh, there's also a great bit where it, it cuts to the Great Wall of China and a fortune cookie falls and it says, you'll be crushed by a giant corn. And then a giant corn comes. Lo and behold, a giant corn comes. I love the sentence a giant corn a giant yeah. corn one giant, giant corn, corn. <laughs> also shout out to my niece who as we're recording this just turned seven months old and she, uh she's starting to gnaw on corn shout out to your niece that's super impressive yeah that's i mean awesome. for her she just wants it to rain milk and that's good enough <laughs> I, uh corn's almost as good as a boob is that the first time that I've mentioned my niece on the podcast? Huh. Weird. Weird that Historic she Historic episode. Very special Very. episode. And uh, if I have mentioned her, tweet at me and let me know. Um, fun fact uh, from IMDb actually is, uh, so there, you know, when you release a movie in a different country, sometimes they change the title because like wordplay doesn't always work in different languages. So in Israel, the title was It's Raining Falafel. And in Turkey, the movie was called It's Raining Kofta. Whoa, that's awesome. Well, I guess, you know, that's a more common food item that, like, accompanies a larger food group. Yeah. In their and, cuisine. And I guess in sense. Israel, instead of you saying raining cats and dogs, it's raining falafel. It's raining falafel. Not you to bring it back to your weather. snack from an hour ago. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, have you read the book that it's based on, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? I have not. I refuse. Because or you, I just haven't. You don't want it to be tarnished. <laughs> you don't want to read, like, the 20-page book. Now, from what I understand, it's a little bit different. I have a niece um, or nephew. They live in the same house, so they have the book. Um, <laughs> they, they know each other. They talk. <laughs> They're friends. They're friends. But they have it, and one of them was telling me that, you know, the book's a little bit different than the movie. And I was like, shut up. You don't tell me. Well, and okay. this is the first time I've mentioned my niece on this podcast. Yeah, congratulations <laughs> to you. We are both uh, aunts and uncles, so this is great. This is now the energy of the podcast, is just <laughs> being a cool uh, parent, not pa step, what? Hmm. Sibling of a parent. Yeah. <laughs> we're the cool We're the cool ones. Um, so I, I skimmed the Wikipedia article describing the plot of the book and yeah it's so the book is basically a grandpa telling his two grandchildren the story of chew and swallow falls and like 
food rained from the sky and it sounds very like melancholy because it came out in the 70s so it's very like dry and just like here's what's happened it's vietnam who cares but like the whole <laughs> there's thing- no gasoline anyway <laughs> <laughs> well there was so the 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 book at least on Wikipedia, kept hammering home that like there was no need for grocery stores or shopping malls because everything fell from the sky. And it became a similar thing of like how people got tired of it and the food got bigger and more menacing. So they sailed and abandoned the island and went to a new place and their bread ships became their homes. And then the end of the book is their grandchildren uh, going out to play in the snow and they're like, this looks just like mashed potatoes. And then they're eating mashed potatoes later and they're like, this looks like snow. Man, that sounds not nearly as good as the movie I watched. Yeah, the movie has like colors and like not as much matter-of-factness. No, well, I guess there's still like the the tale uh, to like, you know, be careful kind of what you wish for type mm-hmm. of thing. You and know, like too, what, too much too of a good, good thing. thing. Wow. Whoa. Wait, this is a, this is the first time ever that I've legit said something at the same time with someone on Zoom where like it wasn't delayed by a second and a half. That was be- that was a beautiful moment. There's something special happening here. <laughs> we we both are in relationships, but like when you talk about colliding with a chance of meatballs, like some things transcend. <laughs> oh man. Um, like. One thing that also is is interesting, I wish there was, like, any other woman in this movie. Like, I didn't realize that, like, Lauren Graham is the mom, fun fact, love her, but she dies. So then it's just Sam Sparks. And, like, the character is such, I think, a great role model for, like, women and girls of, like, like, be, like, don't hide being smart to be, or, like, hide who you are to be more palatable to men but like boy it would be nice if there was one other woman (laughs) no i i know and i will say this as somebody who also typically wears um like ponytails and glasses and yeah thank you i'm not as smart as sam sparks today (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) everybody on the podcast uh listening can see this um but there's this moment where she puts her hair up and she puts her glasses on and she like can't see a thing without her glasses. And it goes from the point of view of her putting them on um, and she can finally see and she can finally be herself. And I know I wear glasses and a ponytail. So I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not as smart as a meteorologist in any way, shape or form. So that's not the problem. I'm not secretly too smart. Um, but I think that it's just a nice message to, you know, be who you are, uh, Let's go. Flynn is. Did I say Flynn? Finn. Flynn. His name is Flynn. Flynn. There we go. I don't know why. We've been. I Who's think we've been? been. We've both been going back and forth with his name. It oh, doesn't matter. <laughs> well, Flynn is unapolog- unapologetically who he is, and that kind of inspires her to do so. So that's awesome. I also really wish that there was like another lady. Yeah. Involved. One... one that doesn't get like point blank range hit. <laughs> ice cream <laughs> well the one nice thing though also is that um when she puts on her glasses and flynn gives her uh, a jello scrunchie it's the exact reversal of like the taking off the glasses and letting your hair down and like oh my god you're beautiful now he's like i mean i thought you were pretty before but now i'm he was like now i'm tr- i'm finna smash <laughs> <laughs> now i'm finna smash that um lady in a jello mold <laughs> Which I think that's also one of my other uh, favorite parts of the film is that it's a giant jello mold. And the way that he explains it, it's a little creepy the way that he explains it. Because he was like, oh, you mean this old thing when I made it rain jello at night and I got it all together and I put it in a mold and then I like made it sit and refrigerated it and flipped it and now I've sculpted it in your likeness and here it is. Yeah, no, I just like did this last night and she's like creeped out because even the camera hands to the exit yeah so that, she's that like considering so like do i leave do i stay but she's like i'm gonna stay it's jello what oh okay so in addition to the what would you like it to be raining what would you like a house made out of maybe um maybe graham crackers graham crackers Ooh. as like the side support but 
to keep up the structural integrity, like marshmallows or chocolates, like keep those things in place. Sure, that's so. A gin, like basically a gingerbread house, but with graham crackers. Yeah, I don't like uh, gingerbread's great. Gingerbread house, gingerbread is garbage. Uh, yes, let's get actually, that out of the way. You know what? I bought a, a a kit from Trader Joe's one time, and it was terrible. Yeah, was- I've I've purchased the same kit, and I've made possibly the same house and we just kind of kept it as the house because we each like snapped off a little piece and we're like this is not working okay <laughs> but well, it looks great yeah it looks good so okay so i'm jewish so i i really have no frame of reference so like do people make gingerbread houses from like scratch ever like do is that such a huge thing or is it just kind of like iconography for fun i i've never personally have made a gingerbread house from scratch. I don't think I've met anybody. Maybe my grandma did. I, I don't know. Um, but buying them, making gingerbread men, sure. But making okay. the house, that seems like a lot of work. Like you have to have like the cutout or have like the steady hand with the knife to yeah. make sure that you're making the roof properly and you have to have your walls evened out and you have to have a solid base and get enough icing. That sounds like a lot of work. I would never make one. I'm very lazy. I, that, oh my God. I just remembered one time, uh, one of the last times that I was like on a date with a girl, um, I, I bought a gingerbread house kit and that was like the little activity. Cause it was also a high school. So like we couldn't go anywhere or do anything. That's so very I like, sweet. I was like, oh, it certainly was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess I, I, my first thought of making a house would be out of like pretzels. So like those like hard sourdough pretzels yeah. and then furniture, soft pretzels. Oh, nice. You could do like a log cabin type thing with yeah. the pretzels. With like those pretzel nuggets that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. A soft pretzel couch. Well, it won't be soft for like a day. But... <laughs> um, I also, ooh, and the, the flooring, even though it's made of pretzel, it would look like hardwood. Nice. You could even like sand off the top and get the get the grain the way you want it. And then like every pretzel when it gets stale, it's like sharp as hell and it just hurts. And so you, weaponry, you automatically have your own weaponry. Smart. <laughs> to defend your property. Has fallen. <laughs> um, let's see, what else is there to talk about with this movie? Like there, there's also just like in all of these other Phil Lord and Chris Miller movies, there's so many just little gags that are fun. Like, I, I like this movie. I didn't super laugh out loud just because I've seen it before, and also my apartment is hot, so I have no energy. But like, <laughs> um, when the mayor initially tries to set up the town as a tourism spot, the town is only known for a sardine canning factory, and so the whole. The whole town is sad because they just eat sardines because no one in the world wants them anymore. Um, right, and it used to be booming, and now they're, <laughs> they're at a yeah. loss. And so the mayor proposes like uh, a sardine sardine world or something. It's like a theme park, and they have the world's largest sardine, and it's in a giant fishbowl. And then it cuts to uh, a guy in a splash zone, and it's just like a little like one square foot. And then later the tank like breaks and falls over and he's the only one that doesn't get splashed. That's a good one, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> and he brought his poncho. I think that's Will Forte, that, that I character. Think, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I think he's just like a bunch of random guys. He's like, oh, come on! He was so ready to get splashed. Also, I don't know if I can paint the picture here properly, but the world's largest sardine is like also a small sardine. Yeah. So this giant fish tank, it's so unimaginably, it's wildly large yeah, it's for like this fi- little it's like fish. five stories high or something. And it has a ring of fire at the top so it can jump through it. And this sentient sardine hears that and is like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and, he's, and he swims slightly farther away from the, <laughs> the ring. From the top. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty awesome, that's a pretty awesome scene. I do also like um, another character I like is Manny. Um, oh, Manny, yeah. He's, you know, a jack of all trades, but he, you know, he 
immigrated to the United States for a better life and he used to be a doctor and he also used to be a pilot and now he's working for Sam Sparks as her camera person and whenever they're in a very tight situation where they need actual help like um deus ex machina help like we need to jump out of the sky we need to do all this stuff he's the person that's there for all he's a, of that he's a deus ex mania yes thank you <laughs> well you also forgot he also used to be a comedian because uh he says of- like he's a like he's a uh um what's it called he's a doctor he also used to be a pilot then he's like i also used to be like some other thing and they're like whoa really and he's like no that was a joke i was also a comedian <laughs> i think that was that was the line that when i saw this at first like that was the one that i quoted a lot it might have that might have been a trailer joke i'm not sure maybe i i don't remember this the movie in like like in commercials i don't remember this movie in commercials i don't remember it in theaters so i don't remember like the lead up to it i was just like here's the DVD, we're putting it in. And I was like, all right, I'll watch it. So I just saw it as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no like lead up to it. I obviously never read the book and I never will. <laughs> but it was just like this really nice movie, like as, like given to me as is. Um, I enjoyed it. I have nothing but wholesome things to say. I, I, I pretty much have only good things to say. And I, I will say, I think, um, so I'm looking at like, so this was by Sony Pictures Animation. And I th- I think if I remember correctly, so this came out in 2009. So that was the same year as Pixar's Up. So I think everybody was so focused on that because they were like, this is like a masterpiece. And like, it's so good. It's so sad that people kind of overlook this because they're like, oh, it's just like, like cloudy with a chance of meatballs it, it where's like the it. balloons yeah where's the balloons all i see is food I and see like food. i think I, I remember my brother and i renting it just on a whim and we were both just like very surprised at like that it was good because I, I i just don't think anybody had faith in it because also the only other animated movies that sony had made before this were surfs up which was that weird penguin surfing movie and also open season which was that weird like critter movie where they're With like hunting. Justin Timberlake. Yes. <laughs> you remember. I do. That one I did see the trailer for. Uh, but yeah, I think I didn't even think about the up, the up factor of it, that it might have been a little overshadowed at the at the time of its release. But now people I think people people now look back fondly on this. They're like it spawned a sequel. It also, there was also a uh, TV show that they made based off of the movie. Uh, but unfortunately, I think it, I think it got canceled. I did not watch the show or the, I didn't even watch the second movie. I was like, why? It had a full perfect circle. It ended completely. Why yeah. ruin perfection? I didn't, well, I didn't see the second either. I like, I was skimming the, uh, credits and everything and the good news for you is that will forte is a main character in the second movie maybe i should see it yeah it's not like a protest against seeing it i just have not seen it and also mr t's character uh, or it's still mr t's character but instead of mr t it's voiced by terry cruz oh okay cool awesome yeah two very beautiful wonderful actors and also baby brent is still in like a half chicken in that movie oh how is that chicken not disintegrated off of baby no idea no idea that's nasty as hell um (laughs) but but anyway um uh siobhan do you have any final thoughts before we go into rating this Uh, i guess my final thoughts is that it's super fun if you're going to be watching it with a little kid they're going to think it's awesome and adventure packed and if you're watching it as an adult, you're going to get a lot of joy out of it as well. Lovely. Um, so now is the point of the podcast where we rate everything on a scale from zero to five. You can be as uh, uh, specific. You can be as like minute with decimal places and numbers and stuff as you'd like. And uh, we'll average our scores out. So Siobhan, what what would you rate uh, Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs today? I would rate it as 
a solid, I'm going to do 4.1. Totally respectable. Like, I think, I think that's a very fair score. Personally, I'm going a little bit lower um, just because, again, like I was saying before, and I know it's not 100% fair, but knowing all of the stuff that Phil Lord and Chris Miller create and produce after that, like, you can tell that they're really getting their juices flowing here, but, like, it doesn't quite reach the heights of Spider-Verse, obviously, of Lego Movie, but there's still a lot of good stuff there. So I'm rating it. 3.75 after one of my favorite temperatures to set my oven. (laughs) I I think that that's super fair. I think that's really solid, especially since if you were going to ask me to rate this against Spider-Verse, it would be um, Spider-Verse is like miles beyond. But this is, you're right, this is what they got there, how they got their juices flowing, and now they're, they're fully juiced. They're getting more juiced every single time. I still didn't get to make this pun in the moment, but yeah, I think both of our ratings are Anna Ferris. All right. Well, I think I'm done here. No. Uh, I'm going to head out. (laughs) Uh, So crunching the numbers, we're giving Claudia with a chance of meatballs a score of 3.925, which puts it right above Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which we talked about just about a month ago, and right below the Netflix Rocco's Modern Life special. So, uh, I love that special. All right, cool. That seems right there. I love it. I okay, love that good. one. Okay, you, good. You approve. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Siobhan, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Um, uh, is there anything specific or anything that you would like to plug or promote at this time? Uh, just, you know, everybody stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, and uh, support your local businesses and uh, Black businesses in your area. Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, of course, I'll, I'll say again that you are on the super fun uh, improv team, Daddy Issues. Um, we've actually had two of your uh, castmates on in the past. We had uh, both Katie Marie and Kai Bobby for uh, our like queer our Pride Month that we did last month. And uh, I, I kind of dropped the ball with uh, Pride Month this year because uh, there's other things to focus on right now. But uh yeah <laughs> you guys are a lot of fun and uh yeah thank you so much for coming on uh we will hear you in a fortnight and go go gadget end show <laughs>